Hey, my name is Jason. Um, I work here. Uh, Thank you. Um, I'm really excited you guys are here. Um, And uh, thank you for that thing. Um, I didn't even tell you where I work, but um, I work here, um, in case anybody was wondering. Um, uh, Before we get into the sermon tonight, um, one of the conversations that our our staff was having over this summer is been wanting to be much, much, much more clear about what our hopes for you guys are at the very beginning of the school year. Um, I think it's pretty often somebody comes in, wonders what the house is like if you're a freshman and you're new here. Um, Welcome. Um, And you might be wondering, what's this all about? And instead of you trying to figure it out and guess, we just want to tell you. So um, I think it was said already tonight that our mission statement is to bring you to a deeper knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Um, And we hope to accomplish that um, through three things. I'm going to turn this volume down because it sounds like it's scary. Hello, hello. Still... Is there another microphone on, or is that good? We can work with that? All right, sweet. Um, thank you. So our, um, our mission statement is to uh, bring you to a deeper knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, we, we hope to do that, and, and forgive me for what I'm about to do. Uh, we hope to do that through three things. Um, we hope um, that you would belong, believe, and, and become. Um, and if uh, I were sitting in your position, I would start rolling my eyes because of the alliteration. Um, but uh, I hope it's memorable. Belong, believe, become. We want you to belong to each other, um, to the house, uh, to your local church. We want you to belong to God. This is not primarily about membership um, or some like jersey with your name on it. That's not what we mean by belong. Um, It's about you knowing that you are sharing life with brothers and sisters. That's our hope. It's not enough for us even that you just belong to something so much as we want you to know that you belong to something. And many of the events and activities that you will see, uh, especially the stuff at the beginning of the year and the first few weeks, the cookouts and, and the free breakfast, the Saturday the church search thing on Sunday, uh, the, even this room, this very space here, food trucks and fire pits like a week from tomorrow, Fresh Mania, all of these sorts of things are, are primarily structured in, in some significant way for you to belong to each other, for you to have shared experiences with each other in this place um, and, and to, and to uh, have your identity wrapped up um, with each other and, and in life and community together. Everything we do, even the, the, uh, the after parties downstairs and the, the space we work out of, we call it the hub, it's like this converted coffee shop thing, that, that space is a place that we hope uh, is a place that encourages um, belonging. Um, and everything else we do, everything else we do comes through the context of belonging, through community, belonging to Christ, belonging to each other. And so when I talk about belief right now, we hope that belief comes in the context of relationship. What do we want you to believe? Specifically, Jesus. Want you to believe, we'll talk more about that, but we want you to believe in Jesus and the things that, that we know from him. So though this might, um, to some of you, sound uh, very normal. Maybe you know this already, and it's like, uh, I know this. For some of you, it might sound preposterous that somebody could so confidently say these things, but I'll tell you the kinds of things that, that we hope that you believe. I know, and I hope you believe this, I know that God made every single person in this room purposefully and with intention. I know that. I know that he loves each and every one of you. I know that he is not only your creator, but also your redeemer and high king, and he can lead you into new life. We want you to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, the author and sustainer of life who has been to the whole entire universe for you. And I want to be clear, you you don't have to believe that to belong here. 
You don't have to believe in the things that we believe to be uh, in this space, to be in the hub, to be in our lives, to hang out with us, to be our, in our family. You don't have to believe those things. We want this space and, and the stuff that we do to be a place that's safe for those of you that don't know what you believe. And, or, or your friends who don't know what they believe. Or, or you, you kind of know what you believe, but you want to, to wrestle with this stuff more. We want to encourage you to step in and wrestle with us, reason with us as we proclaim Jesus as Lord and talk about the truth um, that, that every other truth um, gets its being from. You don't have to believe that stuff. I just want to be clear. That's what we want you to believe. We want you to belong. We want you to believe. And we want you to become specifically disciples of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the God Most High who live their lives like the perfect son Jesus. His call, if you haven't heard, is not for people to have some sort of inward agreement with who he is. A profession of faith that matches up with what you read on the pages of Scripture. That's not the call. It's actually for friends who will follow him into the new country. It's for people who will obey him and follow him. It's making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching people to obey everything Jesus commands. That's the call. People who look like him and look to him. We want you to become disciples of Jesus. So the house is not uh, primarily about sporting sort of a new tank top with our logo on it. Um, it's not some sort of brand. Um, I really could care less about the house as a brand. Um, the house is you. It's you. It's not about like particular leadership positions or kinds of activities. Um, our hope is not that just more people will come to a worship service or, or come to more events or something like that. Um, if you come to me and ask, hey, Jason, how can I get more plugged in? I may actually not have like a particular uh, role or task unless I know you really well already. Then I really might. But if I don't know you well and you come to say, I want to get more plugged in and involved, I'm first going to be concerned with where you belong and what do you believe and who are you and how has God gifted you and what does it look like for that to find its expression in a community of faith? There's a ton of opportunity for leadership, and there's a lot of uh, things that we need help with and all those sorts of things, but like, and you can do those things, but that's not our primary hope. Our primary hope is that you come to a deeper knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Not that you fill some task or position or activity. We believe that you are what is important to Jesus, and so you're what's important to us. Uh, if you're going to be hanging around the next few years and you wonder what it might look like, that's our hope. That's it. Um, there is a lot more to say and, uh, about history and the thousands of the, of the house and um, uh, who it's supported by and the thousands of people that make this happen, that love you, that have never met you, that literally make this happen every year. Um, and we probably would never grow tired of talking about all the things God is doing in this place, but we need to talk um, specifically about Jesus tonight, so we're going to do that. Um, is this thing still feeding back quite a bit, or is that just me? Okay, good. You guys are great. Um, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about Jesus. Uh, Father, you know um, the things that you have been uh, stirring in, in my heart and mind for these particular people in this very place. Would you help me to be faithful to your word? May the very words that I say and the meditations of my heart be faithful and pleasing to you. I pray that your spirit right now would be uh, moving in the minds and hearts of everybody here. that they would long for you, that they would see your son, 
but they would get a picture of the life that you have in store for them and they would want it. Thank you for every single person in this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, right before I came into college, um, my senior year of high school, um, one of the most significant men in my life, uh, my young life leader, his name was Chris. Um, he was 24 years old, and he was diagnosed with cancer, and he died just a few months later. Um, and you can imagine uh, this completely shook my whole life. Um, I actually, to be, to be honest, I didn't know how much I connected with the Young Life club setting in that place, but man, I hung out with this guy, Chris, all the time. Like, all the time. <laughs> um, it was probably an, a, like a volunteer 40-hour-a-week position when I was in high school. And, and he was the only older guy I knew that seemed to care about me. And he got cancer at 24 years old and died. And I would have, before that moment, I would have um, defined myself or, or um, at least categorized myself in some way as a Christian. Um, I had prayed some kind of prayer um, at, you know, a couple of different camps. My parents were not followers of Jesus. Um, but, uh, but like at seven, my grandmother had asked me to pray some prayer. Um, and I would have sort of said, I, I think that means I'm a Christian. But when Chris died, um, the way that he embraced suffering and the kind of sober courage that I saw this 24-year-old guy have made me realize I didn't know what I believed. There was like a huge discrepancy between what I understood life and death to be and what I saw this guy wrestle with. And it was so clear to me my senior year of high school that I don't really know what I believe. And so when I went to college, the, the thing I wanted to figure out, and, and looking back, this sounds so crazy. At the time, it sounded like it's a worthwhile goal. I was like, I'm gonna figure out God. I'm gonna go to college and figure out God. Um, and so I was stoked when I got to college. My roommate, um, who was, I was randomly placed with, um, was uh, the president of the Islamic Society on campus at the University of Washington. Um, and I was really, really pumped that I was in the same room with this guy um, who had like all these prayer books and all these sort of activities. And like during Ramadan, like, you know, he would be getting up like in the middle of the night and, and praying and eating in, the, in our room. And I, and I was trying to think through like, what do I believe and what does he believe? And, and what are the differences between what we believe and are they all the same and all this kind of stuff. And so um, I, I loved that. I started getting involved with um, a ministry called Crew, Campus Crusade at the time, um, that was doing like, these apologetic sort of seminars in the foyer of our dorm, and I loved that because they were asking questions that I wanted to ask, and I got involved in this other ministry called The Inn that I am it, so, I, I don't know how to be more thankful for, <laughs> that's why I'm here, um, but I got involved in these things. I didn't know what I believed. I went to something like this. Uh, at the University of Washington, there was like 35,000 students at the time, and this, this room was like, there was like 1,400 people in this place. It was huge. And this, this guy spoke this sermon, and I remember thinking, who the heck are you to speak with that kind of authority into my life? And, and, and I wasn't like ready to fight him or anything. It just was weird. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. And so I got up after the sermon, and I walked, because the person that came with me ditched me, and I was like all by myself, and there was like a bunch of sorority girls around, and I was really uncomfortable. Um, and uh, I, I, I dated one for like two and a half years. It was great. I just got over it. But, um, but uh, it was wonderful. I don't know if that was a bad thing to say. Sorry. Um, in any case, I, I, I walked up after this sermon um, straight up to the guy who spoke, and I said, hey, my name is Jason, and I'd like to get involved here. And he goes, okay, um, what does that mean? And I said, I don't really know. You just said some stuff I never heard before, and I want to know more about that. 
And so he was like, well, join something like a core group. And it was, ter- it was a terrible thing um, for me. Um, but, but I didn't care because I, I really didn't know if I was a Christian at that point yet. I, I, I thought maybe I could be, but I was trying to figure people out. So I signed up for like a nine-week mission trip. Didn't even know what I believed. But I was like, that sounds like a good way to figure it out. Um, I was getting, I, I ended up leaving um, pre-law and, and philosophy because nobody seemed to have any answers um, in those places. Um, and like, it just after a while, like the guy who raises his hand and says, you know, we, we don't even know if we're really here. Like that just gets boring after a while. Um, and so like I left that and I decided what I would major in is comparative religion. So um, my undergraduate degree um, is in the um, Jackson School of International Studies at the University of Washington. And it's a degree in comparative religion. So I just studied world religions because I thought here at least people are being honest about what they believe. Um, this sounds great. And um, and the mantra, the sort of reigning mantra, as you can imagine at the University of Washington in Seattle and the comparative religion department, is sort of all of these religions are just different cultural expressions of people trying to wrestle with the same things. And I mean, nobody actually put that on a piece of paper. That was just the, this, the sort of dominant voice of every classroom was that. These are all just kind of different ways of expressing the same thing, y'all. They don't say y'all there, but, um, but that was sort of the thing, right? And it was sort of, at worst... What, what it was is um, that these are uh, different ways to the same sort of God or eternity or people making sense of their life or something like this. And, and I'll be honest, um, as an 18-year-old, just wanting to be okay with the world, that was really appealing. And that, may, that seemed initially, I had these professors who were like, they're professors. I don't even know, I don't know why we call them teachers and now professors, but they, they, they have control over things and they seem really smart and they, they wear like weird clothes. And, and, and so when they say that this is sort of what is true, and it seemed like it was sort of um, soothing some of my curiosity and saying, look, all this stuff. And it was this, this um, very like, I mean, you can imagine if you guys have taken religion classes, like, I mean, it's eye-opening to dive into a different culture, one that has nothing to do with the United States of America, particularly one that isn't rooted in Western culture at all, and to dive in and start learning about the way they understand life and family and politics and religion. All that stuff was fascinating. And I, it was so appealing to me to think maybe all of these really are just different ways people are addressing the same sort of thing. The problem is, or, or, or um, fortunately, that at some point when you're dealing with comparative religion, you have to at some point deal with Jesus. And, and even within the conversations about Jesus, though, um, it was sort of like Jesus could be anything. Uh, like in our culture, it's, I think it's so easy for us to sit at a table and for all of us around this table to just sort of spout off our own ideas about who Jesus is. One author says this thing, your pastor, if you have one, says another, your parent says another, maybe they disagree and say two things, your professors say another thing, who's right? Who's Jesus? Like who, really, who is he? Um, Just to illustrate some of what this can look like, let me play this little clip. Would you play that for me real quick? We've been over this for hours! Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. 
Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel <laughs> band. And I'm in the front row. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce, <laughs> newborn infant Jesus... Don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I suspect that um, one of the reasons that that is, I, I think, hilarious is because it's not too far from the truth. So, so here's a question for you. How many versions of Jesus do you think exist in this room? Two? Yeah. Three? Ten? A few hundred? How many different versions of Jesus exist right here in this room right now? If you were to ask everybody to say, who is Jesus? Would we all have the same answer? I'm sure we all actually have a favorite way of thinking about Jesus. Not sure there's anything wrong with that. But why is it a big deal if we have all different understandings of who he is, different versions sort of even of who he is? Why does it matter so much if we all have different views of him? Why can't we just go along with our culture and agree that what's true for you is fine as long as what's true for me is fine? Ironically, I, I think the reason that we can't do that is because of Jesus. Um, would you put up John uh, chapter 14 verse 6 real quick so Jesus says this um, Jesus says this I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me I want you to, just to think about that for a minute and how do you feel about Jesus saying that I know it's, e it's easy to, to sit in a car or around a table and to say, I don't know, that Jesus, I think he's more like this, or I really have trouble believing that Jesus is, you know, whatever. The, the, the historical record would have us believe that Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I don't know if you think that there are many ways to the Father, but Jesus isn't on that team. How do you feel about that? And maybe more 
importantly for the sake of this conversation, because I think something happens to us sometimes, especially in um, this part of the country when we read the Bible, we sort of like um, zone out. Uh, uh, what if this is true? What if it is? What if it's true that there is no way to the Father except through Jesus? And keep, keep in mind, this isn't my interpretation. This isn't like a denominational claim. Like Baptists believe this, but, but Presbyterians don't or something. Um, this isn't like an author's defense of Jesus trying to explain sort of what they think. Jesus himself says this. I'm assuming it's still up there. Um, I know for some of us, the, uh, and for me, as a, to be honest, as a freshman in college, this would have pro at least struck me at first as wildly offensive. Some of us will not accept that he is the way, the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us would accept it just fine if he said, I'm away. We will not follow him saying those sorts of things. For those of us that read this and are really offended, quite frankly, if we're honest, our, our own kingdoms, our own understanding of what life ought to look like and who I am and what it means to be a successful human being, what it means to live a good life, what it means for me to be happy, those things matter too much to me to give those up and trust this guy to do that. And so we reject him in order to have another way. It, it will not be if, if you do not find Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. It, it will not be the way to the Father, but I suppose, if, honestly, if you don't want the Father, any other way will do. I, I, I have to stop there. Um, I might bring it up slightly again in a second, but I have to stop because although what Jesus said, I think, has implications for that conversation, he did not say, no one comes to the Father except through me to a group of people that were rejecting him, to a group of people who were asking him to prove himself. He said it to people who did, in fact, want to be with the Father. And we're gonna, we gotta look at the context of this. If you'd put up the whole... Um, thing. I, I think I'll probably just focus on verses 5 and 6. So would you go to the next slide real quick? Um, one more time. Let's do one more time. Let's start there. That's good. Um, uh, it's all sort of the same thing. I can just summarize some of that for you real quick. Um, Jesus has just said, this is the night that, uh, sort of if you are familiar with the story, he was betrayed, the Last Supper, if, you're, uh, if you've ever had communion or done the Eucharist or something like this, all of this had just happened. Uh, he hadn't been betrayed yet. Um, well, technically he had, but um, dinner was uh, just done being had, and they were getting up and leaving and going for a walk um, and talking. And um, Jesus tells his friends that I'm about to leave you, and where I'm going, you can't follow. And these guys, if you know the story, some of them have given up their names. They, they have left the lives that they lived before and completely identified with Jesus for their life now. And for over two and a half years, they had been with him and allegiance to him, following and trusting him that he is the king who's going to usher in God's kingdom when we can't wait for that to happen. And now he says to them this, after this dinner, on, uh, he says, um, I'm about to go and you guys can't follow me. And they freak out like you would. Like, that's not a surprising thing. This is like their leader, their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord. They have called him the Christ. And he says, I'm about to go and you can't follow. And so Jesus says this to that. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. 
You know the way. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, you know the way. He says, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is not an intellectual debate where someone says, Jesus, um, what about someone who like grows up in like a Buddhist culture and has never encountered the gospel? What about babies? And Jesus goes, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's not the context that this conversation happen in, happens in. I, I, would, I think actually those conversations are really fun. I think Jesus' um, response to those things is surprising and beautiful. But this is not about that primarily. He just told his friends that he's leaving and they want to go with him. And he says, you know the way. And they say, no, we don't. And he says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is encouragement to people who are asking, Jesus, how can we follow you? How do we know where you're going? In effect, he says, yes, you do know the way. You know me. You have little faith. Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? He goes on to say. And what about us, you? Do you wonder sometimes if you really do know the way to God? Or if you've wrecked it? Or if you really have a grasp on what's true? Like if what you think of is true actually is true. I heard a guy speak a couple uh, weeks ago and he, he um, said this, he said that the generation that you're in has knowledge without certainty and truth without objectivity. It's a big line. But he was saying you don't have any anchor. You have no way of knowing. You proclaim things as true, but you don't know. You have no idea. Or do you wonder if you ever really will have the abundant life you desire so much? Whether you are a Christian or not, I know that that's true about you. You have a desire for an abundant life, a full, rich life. Jesus says to you, you have no need to worry. You have no need for concern about the way and whether you've wrecked it or whether you're on it. You have no need to worry about whether you have a, an appropriate understanding of certain truths in this world and enough to make it to the Father or something like this. He's all of those. He says, I am all of those. I'm giving you me, so all you must do is know me. That's it. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He says this not to debate or address hypothetical questions. He says it to those of us who are broken and doubting and hurting and wondering if we really do in fact know the way. To us, he says, you do. You know me and that's enough. Paul, uh, St. Paul got this. There was this time that he, um, he, he walked into the city of Athens in the city of Athens, there was this place called the Areopagus uh, uh, um, that had these statues set up all around to different gods. And one of these gods um, had an inscription at the bottom that said, to the unknown god. And like our culture now, um, something like uh, FOMO was a big deal. Um, like they, they just were so concerned about anything being left out. Just in case we've offended some God, let's put a statue here to an unknown God just to be safe. 
just to make sure that we've got it right and that all our bases are covered and they're all being worshipped equally. And when Paul saw this, and I'm paraphrasing from um, Acts chapter 17, uh, when Paul saw this, he looks at these people and he says, men of Athens, I see that you are very religious. You mean it. You, you really are trying. You're grasping around in the dark, feeling your way toward God. He says, what you worship as an unknown God, I'm going to proclaim to you. He's Jesus. And here's the good news, and it's almost a direct quote, he's not very far from any one of us. It's Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the only way to God. The truth we long for, the life we need. The way, the truth, and the life is is not some kind of religious affiliation. It's not. It's not a political party or a political bent. It's not even right theology. It's not religious activity. The way, the truth, and the life is Jesus. He is the only way to the Father. And friends, he is not far from any one of us. This is what Jesus says. This is who Jesus is. Christians proclaim, and and I as a Christian proclaim with them, um, that all of history hangs on the fact of this Jesus Christ. And rather than talk about what everyone else is saying about him and what our opinions are and all this kind of stuff, we're going to spend the next few weeks at the house um, looking at the things that Jesus said about himself. We, um, on staff, when we were talking about um, sermon series and what we want you to know, um, we just keep coming back, and it's like uh, the refrain you'd expect, I suppose, but we keep going, Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. We have to be careful. We don't want you to think that if you do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to be this superstar Christian and have a letterman's jacket for Jesus or something like that. But that's not like our hope. We just want you to know Jesus, our mission statement, to bring you to a deeper knowledge and love of Jesus. It's, it, that's it. And then, but then it hit us. It went, but what if, what if there's like, we say that and we have no idea where that lands because there's 250 different ideas about who Jesus is. Would it be doing us a lot of good to say the way, the truth, and the life is in an eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, you know? Or like the, any, whatever, I don't want to go into all of it. Um, the Leonard Skinner thing is awesome, though. But, um, but, but how, really, how much good would that do? If your idea and your vision of Jesus is this uh, sort of, um, I mean, I, 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 don't, I actually want to be careful here. I don't want to, like... Um, hurt anybody's feelings, I guess. Um, but if your idea of Jesus or God is that he's sort of hiding and just asking you to obey, I mean, he's very difficult to please all the time, that I want to be careful to not encourage you to follow that idea of Jesus that isn't the Christ that we know from the scriptures and history. That's not Jesus. That's some perversion of that from our culture. Or if you believe that Christ just, he, he was um, suffered for you, and now there's sort of this guilt trip because he died on the cross for your sins, that now you just, you have to, otherwise it just sort of makes you, you know, you feel bad. Like it's kind of this guilt thing that he did that for me and now I, got, I gotta like pay him back or do something in response to that. Or, like, well, I don't know what your understanding of Jesus is. Historical figure or not, God or man. Just a good uh, teacher, a good like, uh, somebody to like model my life after or actually the Lord to whom you owe allegiance. I don't know. 
And so we thought, well, let's just talk about what Jesus says about himself. And it's interesting because in some ways you would think that's the most elementary, basic sermons that anybody could preach. I think that's true. I just sort of am mindful of the fact that I think maybe we just get, overlo- they get overlooked all the time. Everybody walks around and says, it's so basic, let's not preach on that. Let's talk about something else. And so I, we've got like six more weeks in this series, and we're going to talk about Jesus as king. We're going to talk about Jesus and his resurrection. We're going to talk about Jesus as God, Jesus as man, Jesus as Lord, and Jesus as judge. And in every single one of those things, we are going to specifically hone in on words from Jesus himself that he said about himself. So when Jesus says, I am God, you're welcome to say that you don't believe Jesus is God. He just said he was. And you don't have to believe that, but he said he was. And you can do with that what you want. But that's what we're going to do for this sermon series. We want you to belong to him to believe in him and to become like him. But how in the world can we hope for such a thing if we don't know him, right? I suspect that when we stop and focus on him um, and really look at the things he said about himself, that what we will find is that we're all gonna need to decide whether we wanna follow this Jesus or not. So it should be pretty intense. Let's pray. Father, right now I'm um, mindful of a particular time um, that you told a bunch of people about you and your friend John said that from that time on many people left and never followed you again. And I confess, God, that I am worried that by speaking strongly about the things you said um, that people might be turned off, I pray I pray if anybody um, rejects you, that they reject you because of you and not because of me or the house or anybody else here. More than that, God, I'm excited that as we get to talk about your son and lift him up, that what he says about every single person in this room is better than what anybody else has ever said about any of us. And that what he has done for all of us is more than what anybody has done for any of us. I pray as we lift him up that he is glorified, that hearts turn toward him, that we would believe in your son Jesus, that we would become like him. I pray, Father, that you invite every single person in this room into your son as the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to you. In his name we pray, amen.